When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, sir. What's up, man? Let's do it. We have a new segment today. It's called Top Comment of the Last Hour. <laughs> so we uh, we discussed this. We just put up the Jumanji video, and yep. you wanted to bring to my attention the top comment, see what we thought of it. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it would be a fun thing to do cool. each week. Yeah. So what the top comment today, because Jumanji was about how to go from shy to confident, mm-hmm. was someone wrote, confidence is not about they will like me. It's about I will be okay if they don't. And that got the most thumbs up of any comment. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I don't know that that's hyper controversial. How does one figure that out? I think everyone would go, yeah, okay, I get mm. it. How do I? So I will be okay if they don't like me. Yeah. Easier to say out loud than sure. to feel. Well, what we, we talk about is that confidence is, it's a second order effect. It's not something that you can necessarily, I guess there's meditations where you can directly go at confidence. But what we found in our own life is that the choice that you often have is to be courageous or not courageous. Mm-hmm. And then what flows from that is confidence. Yeah. So the choice is, okay, am I going to be courageous, do this thing that makes me feel nervous? And what you sometimes find is that people don't immediately fall in love with you and you know the pitch doesn't go well and you don't get the job or whatever yeah. it is and you're okay. Like you're still breathing afterwards, which is where that second order confidence comes in. It's just, oh, I'm okay, even though the ideal situation didn't occur. Yeah. So what you're saying is if people want to work on their confidence then the exercise is to go talk to people even if they will not like you. And then over time, you'll realize you can survive when they don't like you. Mm-hmm. And, and most often what's going to happen is not that people are going to hate you or dislike you. It's, it'll be middling results is, is likely what happens. And I don't just mean go talk to people. There's people that are afraid to share their art because they're not sure if people will like their art. They're afraid to go for a dream job because they're they're like, if I got rejected from that, that would hurt so much more than if I got rejected from being a line cook or something. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is that that social fear, and I often distinguish social fear from skydiving or being one of those squirrel people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guys we're, not, squirrel we're not encouraging base jumping. <laughs> uh, one of those squirrel people. Yeah, the guys in the squirrel suits who do those really dangerous things. When you, yeah, when you do that and you inevitably come through the other side unharmed, if not just made a little bit nervous, it just wears this rut into your brain that says this fear is out of line with the expected outcome of this, mm-hmm. which is going to be completely fine. That's been your experience and my experience, right? Yeah. So I agree. Good comment. Cool. Comment of the week. <laughs> we need we need intros and outros. What else you got? I, this do, week? I think rather than intros and outros, we'll just do that every time. <laughs> Random segment. So this was a fun one. Yeah. You know what Art Basel is? Art, yeah. Art Basel is. You saw this? Yes. Art Basel is an art party in Miami. Yes. And there was a banana collection. Oh my god. Three bananas. 
The first one sold for $120,000. Yes. The second one was duct taped onto a wall selling for $150,000. And a man walked up and ate the banana mm. in front of 50 people mm-hmm. and called it performance art and then gets detained by the people running the museum and shenanigans ensue. Do you know the outcome of him? Yeah. He was totally fine because he was an artist and he said it was performance art mm-hmm. and because uh, they just taped another banana up onto the wall. <laughs> Seriously. So like there was nothing special about the banana. So they just were like, all right, well, this banana is worth 150000 so, That so, was his point. Yeah. Was like, that was his whole point. Well, my, I think that's almost too easy to say about art, Basel, in Miami. Like everyone that we've known. So we lived in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And everyone who we knew who went to Art Basel, you couldn't drag to a museum the other 364 days out of the year. Yeah. These were club rats that wanted to go to the party. And so maybe there are people interested in art there, but the only people I've ever known to migrate to Miami for this are there to be seen and take a photo and party. Yeah. It's like the Coachella for artists. Yeah. It's all about the picture. Yeah. <laughs> but I do know an artist that, that does go to promote his art. Sure. I also, it's unclear if this guy was... Is a, it's a stunt, a publicity stunt or not? Yeah, it's unclear. In on it? Yeah. So like, I was the whole art when he, it's possible that when the person taped it up to the wall, he knew his own absurdity and hired this person or this person's a friend and told him to to point out the absurdity of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Or this guy saw the banana when I have real art and this isn't art, and then he noticed the absurdity, and it's un, it's unclear, I guess. Well, there's a good philosophical question, which is what is art, and we can get to that. That's what they're getting to. Which That's we, what they're getting we can, to. We can discuss this, but I just want to ask, what is money laundering? <laughs> because <laughs> is that not what was happening here? When somebody purchases a banana for $120,000, I know that the world is big, and I have to accept that there are crazier things that have happened, but is that just not clearly a case of money laundering in that well, who, who would have to, they'd all have to be in on it at that point, right? The buyer oh, no, and the no. artist. They would have had to sell him $120,000 worth of drugs or whatever. And in order to claim that money, they would have to say, no, he bought a banana from me. So you're saying the artist is a drug dealer, though? Maybe. Because well, because <laughs> the way you don't money launder to a random person. If no, you, no, no. You need to you need to have to they need a reason to accept $120,000. Exactly. And maybe that's too obvious of a read on this. And maybe rich people just like to do crazy things. There was that app in the app store that sold for like 9999 bucks, whatever it was, that was just an icon of like a crown or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Even that even that seems more valuable than the $120,000. But there is a more interesting philosophical question here, which kudos on them for raising, which is what is art? And I, I thought of that this a lot in philosophy class i'm curious if you've well i think that's what the guy was trying to point out is if a banana taped to a wall is art then me eating the banana has to be art so Mm -hmm. i can't get in trouble for this that's what he was banking on Mm -hmm. which it turns out apparently worked out for him what you could get in trouble is for creating art of less value you know what he said he was saying now i'm worth one hundred and fifty thousand (laughs) dollars. is that what he said yes he goes this banana is worth one hundred fifty thousand dollars. if you assume i'm worthless I'm now worth $150,000. Well, you can't take him home and put him on your wall. That's the problem. If he's open to that, then I suppose his his argument is airtight. If he's willing to be taped to somebody's wall, <laughs> then now they've got it. Yeah, I don't know. I've, never, I've actually never thought about what is art. So what's interesting in philosophy class is everybody, especially young undergraduate philosophy people, want to... Their instinct is to say, okay, Britney Spears can't count as art because. Mm. And then they backwards generalize why Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, popular pop acts of the day cannot qualify as art. And 
they always run into a wall, which mm -hmm. is that's just your opinion, <laughs> right? And it seems that there's only two really tenable positions, which is to say, okay, there is nothing is art or everything is art, and it's completely up to subjective let's give interpretation. It, let's cheat. Let's see what uh, let's see what dictionaries call art. So what I what I landed on is uh, anything can be done in an artistic way if it moves someone. Period. If it moves you emotionally, if it if it stimulates you intellectually, if it if it moves you, uh, it's artistic to the degree that it does. Um, and if you love "Baby" by Justin Bieber and that song brings you to tears when Ludacris hits the track, then that's that's art. Yeah. And and there's often uh, a pretension to art, which is kind of what this guy is, you know, that says this is better or more skillful. And what you realize when the Jackson Pollocks are maybe I'm being he, I guess, had some skill to the paint splattering. But there are people who have done things that when I look at them, the red dot on the wall of the MoMA, I go, I can do this. I know I can That's do my this. Da my dad <laughs> says, uh, this is obviously not real, but he says it's not art if I can recreate it. Mm -hmm. So he says art is in the is in the skill of the application. So that's what some people say. And then, okay, who says what skill is good? My dad's, because he has no talent in art whatsoever. So <laughs> Somebody might say he has great talent. Somebody might say, because nobody could recreate his stick figures exactly the way that he does them, right? The the way the lines don't quite connect. <laughs> and the, it's almost like he's doing this with his left hand, right? And that's what you come down to. Is Spoiler, that it's... he is, because he's a lefty. <laughs> He's like Ben Simmons. He's been an artist this whole time. He's <laughs> using the wrong hand. Put it in the other hand. Uh, no, you, you run into subjectivity every time, which mm -hmm. is your dad is saying that his stick figures aren't good and somebody could just with just as much merit claim that they're brilliant. Uh, and so you have to accept it's all art and it is art to the degree that it moves people. And the value that it has, this is where capitalism and art get weird, is what someone is willing to yeah. spend on. <clears throat> Why does art have to even move people? Uh, you can argue that it doesn't. It's just we don't, you could say everything is art and most of it we just don't notice. Like yeah. there's an infinite number of things that I could notice about this room right now. Yeah. But the paintings might call my attention more. And yeah. we go, oh, that's They're art. They're paintings of bulls, by the way. Our friend, <laughs> our friend made these and everyone always asks what they are. We're He's a, a very nice guy yeah. and they are bulls. They are bulls. Uh, I actually think they're really cool, these things. They have a texture, which you can't actually yeah. see. There's like paint spotters. I dig them a lot, but it sounds like people aren't that into them. We're going to be probably changing the set, I think, for the next shoot. Yeah. So you're going to see a very different look. Your complaints have been heard, people. <laughs> the bulls are gone. The bulls are gone. We're going to apologize to Sean. Our friend is devastated. <laughs> really thought this was going to go a different direction. Thought he would be a millionaire. <laughs> we told him we had a big channel and a big Oh, they're going to love it. I thought they were, man. That's, that's our bad. I guess they don't. It doesn't work on camera. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Art Basel, that cracked me up, man. Yeah, it was awesome. That Good stones on him. If he's not an insider, mm. talk about courage. Yeah, because who knows what, what sort of repercussion happens if he didn't know the guy and the guy's like, no, that was a $120,000 banana and yeah. I can prove it, you know, like, and that was the last one. This was a limited run, yeah. <laughs> which meant it was even more. But of course, he brought more attention to the artist. Yeah, to yeah. The no, event. and I think he was just probably willing to go to court on it because like, that's not a jailable thing. That's a go in front of a judge. And the other one guy has to explain why it's a $120,000 banana. Yeah. And I have to explain why it's a banana. Sure. So I, maybe he just liked his odds. Yeah. So I've, I've got a handful of other things. None yeah, that fire are, away. None that are that fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be a downer? <laughs> no, they're just this. So I, I'll give you categories. One is related to this podcast and business. 
Another is related to psychology of why bad things happen. Mm. Uh, and the next one is related, I guess, to uh, business as well and the direction that it's going in the future. And the last one is just a little grab bag of weirdness. Okay, we'll do them all. Okay. Let's start with the psychology of why bad things happen. Okay, so we, over Thanksgiving, went back and spoke to, I'll try to be vague so as to protect this person's identity. We spoke to some friends and one of them was an insider in an industry. And we were talking to him like, dude, you have to come on the podcast. Cause mm. he was telling us about how in this industry, which we all know, uh, how just BS happens mm. all the time. And he's like, you would not believe the stuff that goes on, all the, all the rule breaking, all of the smack talking of clients. And it was fascinating. And I said, you gotta come on the podcast. And he said, no way. I know these people. Mm. Uh, even if I'm not friends with them, even if I don't like them, my professional and career and integrity is is in not opening the kimono and telling it the, the- Yeah, yeah, if I burn everything. all of these relationships by going public with this, no one will want to share things with me in the future. Exactly. And I thought that was one, I hope he comes on one day and shares what he was talking about. But even more fascinating than that is like, that is a huge degree of the bad things in the world. I mean, think how many crimes somebody knows the answer to, mm -hmm. definitively with proof, right? Knows the fraud that was being committed by Bernie Madoff prior to it happening, knows where the bodies are buried. There's the story of Jeffrey Dahmer's father who came down and there was this really weird cardboard box of bones and he told me if you don't get that out of this house in the next day i swear to god <laughs> right like kind of knew potentially that something weird was happening yeah didn't call the police but didn't call the police yeah and i don't know if more people were killed after that i i suspect they may have been but it's just fascinating that and and i and i know that that's a human trait and not a bad apple trait mm -hmm. that it's there's this human loyalty that runs deeper than uh, abstract morality. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you have any reaction or thought. No, no. I think it's in what's interesting is that we don't we don't pretend that it's not happening. Mm -hmm. We don't go, oh, all our friends are super pious. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll take it back to college. Most people had a friend that they knew was cheating on their girlfriend. Yeah. And what they do is they would go to the friend and be like, dude, you have to stop cheating and you have to tell your girlfriend. Right? And that's where they would draw the line of, I did the right thing. I told him I don't agree with this behavior and I told him what he should do. But very few people, and I'm not even saying that they should do this, are going to go to the girlfriend, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, we draw this or stop being friends with the guy, right? So that tends to be what we do is we, tell, we call people out. We tell them what we think they should stop doing. Yeah. Then when they don't stop doing it, we go, well, I'm going to keep being friends with them. Sure. And one further is, I think in a lot of cases, when it's someone on the periphery of your group or you're just not as comfortable with confrontation, you don't even tell them. Mm -hmm. I'm this friend who is, these are just work acquaintances. I'm sure he's not telling them, hey, the backbone of your entire uh, ethic is completely messed up. <laughs> uh, you should do everything differently, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, it's just, I don't have a solution, but it was it was interesting to, for, to me to think that, wow, the solution is... Not that it has to be found, it, that it has to be surfaced. <laughs> like we, we know how and why a lot of the exploitation that is occurring yeah. in the world is occurring. We know who is doing it. How, and because that, that knowledge isn't universalized, it's within this, this small group of trusted advisors that will not leak, yeah. that's what 
it just continues. That's why Jeffrey Epstein killed himself. Yeah, <laughs> to protect his <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> I think that meme is hilarious that it's still... Oh, yeah. Just don't... Yeah, in the middle of a comment section, you know. All this video was really good, and it made me realize Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> no, it's true. I don't have a good takeaway. I don't, I don't have a... You know, because I think what sounds easy is, oh, everyone should just come out. But I don't, yeah, I don't but think But no it's one would, it's one of those things where people would prescribe it for other people, but then mm -hmm. if they found themselves in that position, they'd find it tougher than they imagined. So I don't think, I think that's a, a lazy suggestion and yeah. I don't have a good suggestion. Yeah. What's funny is if everybody hive mind did start announcing the criminal acts of which they were aware, both not even criminal, uh, unethical acts, mm -hmm. their own end within their circle at the same time on the same day, there just have to be a mass amnesty because we couldn't deal with <laughs> yes. the flood of, we'd have to go, okay, let's start with serial murders <laughs> and we'll get back to homicides. And then every other crime, we're going to have to really just look at with yeah. a, like, ugh. Yeah, no, and it's funny. handle all this? Oftentimes, well, I guess some people would disagree. So the, the people who are doing things that are advantageous to themselves that are hurtful mm -hmm. to others. But I think for a lot of people, the, following the golden rule for yourself is easier to do mm -hmm. like okay i'm not going to do anything that i think is immoral also all our morality is relative so like sure. i'm not going to do anything that i think is immoral people actually have an easier time doing than i'm going to publicly out someone i'm close to because they're doing something immoral yeah i actually think that's the harder thing for a lot of people totally totally so yeah let's get them on the podcast one day it'll be a really <laughs> i'll work on them yeah it'll I'll be a really interesting conversation if we can get into the specifics of it and even us, like we're not revealing what he told us mm -hmm. in out of respect to him. Now, granted, it wouldn't change anything because it's second, third hand hearsay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't betray his confidence in order to announce what he told me on the podcast. And mm -hmm. to be clear, it's not like there's any crime that I am aware of. It's just unethical business practices uh, that that sound like it's it's common in a particular industry. So, anywho. You want to go? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a funny thing I could pretend it was, but I couldn't <laughs> think of any. I couldn't think of a single thing. What are like the big mysteries besides? I blew my load on the Epstein joke. <laughs> what are the big? What mysteries? are the other big mysteries? Bigfoot. Yeah, I could have gone UFOs. Could have gone triangle. Area Fifty One. <laughs> couldn't think of any though. <laughs> you got to get you that improv. We got to zip zaps up before we. Dude, get what's on funny? I had the improv instinct. Yeah, I just don't have the back catalog. Yeah, or the it's it's one p.m. This yeah. is not. So I actually, you you might not know this, my window overlooks an alley where the improv teams practice. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. So I'll often you, hear them just zip, be zap, like, zap, 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 zap. Like yeah. it's just in the middle of 6 p.m. before a show. They're screaming at each other like, ha, ha, ha. And it's funny because if I'm not in that smiling mood, I'm like, this is so annoying. Yeah. I actually, I like going to improv comedy. I like doing improv comedy. Mm -hmm. I find that if you get too many improv comedians oh. in a room, it's unbearable yeah because instead of having what i think is like a fun conversation peppered with stuff mm -hmm. it becomes like who can who can wacky who can zany the most yeah and it's tough it's really actually it's yeah. funny it's like when two of the five people involved in a conversation are improv comedians it's great mm -hmm. when all five are i'm out of there yeah and it's because you never get to substance. You yeah. can never, never, never get to substance. Everything has to be turned into an opportunity to answer, not literally. Yeah. Well, it's also funny because there's a rule of three in comedy, yeah. right? So when someone makes a joke, someone heightens it, someone heightens it. But then someone else has to heighten it and then someone else <laughs> has to heighten it. It's like, this isn't terrible now. Yeah. So, yeah.
it's a battle for that's what I, when i was doing improv a lot that's what i found it's like all right only one of you can come to hang out with me at a time and then the the breaks for the improv class are just well i didn't do so great in my scene but watch me now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be super cool but what do you got all right should i give you options oh did i no, just delete just, just hit me just deleted all my notes well i can tell you mine if you want no no um this is one that came up so so we actually uh did a conversation with coffeezilla this came up in the conversation but we don't have the footage for coffeezilla <laughs> yeah. anymore and someone asked in yeah. uh one of the comments well so, hopefully so we'll hopefully get it back coffeezilla by the way for those of you who don't know there's a channel called coffee break he does video essays a lot of different various interesting topics coffeezilla is his channel where he looks into what he describes as fake gurus uh, a lot of people that are on YouTube that you might have seen oftentimes with ads prior to our videos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we had a really long, interesting discussion. Hopefully we'll get to do something like it again. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. But uh, <laughs> but someone asked a question and said, Coffeezilla posed a question, which is, can charisma be learned by mm. everyone? Which, which I think is an interesting question. And yeah. I wanted us to answer it again. The example Coffeezilla uses is Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. The asker, which is one of the reasons I want to bring it up, he is not on the spectrum, but his brother is, I don't know if it's deep Asperger's or actually autism, I forget. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, what can I do for this person? Is it hopeless? Can it, can it be sure. taught? And then he referenced Coffeezilla. He said, what, what is this? Can, is, can this be learned by everyone? So I wanted to pose that question to you again. Sure. So I think that there's, everyone is too broad a category. Because if you, if you go to the extreme, there's people that are, uh, in a vegetative state sure. <laughs> who are not going to be able to learn it. Yeah, so let's just say no. The answer is no. And and when we go to the far extremes. Uh, but let's even go to Asperger's. I mean, we've had, and I wouldn't have known the answer to this question, quite frankly, because it, uh, what do they call neurotypical is, is what you and I would probably be and many other people who are watching this. I did not know the experience of someone with Asperger's, but a lot of the emails that I'll get these days are from people who have Asperger's and say in their experience, it's been incredibly helpful to watch and apply the things from our channel. Some of them have taken the course. So that's actually one of the communities that I've seen get almost the most benefit mm -hmm. from it, uh, which was surprising to me because that was not what I had originally intended. As regards Mark Zuckerberg, who I would say, I don't know if he's on the spectrum. I don't necessarily think that he is. He might just be a shy, nerdy guy yeah, may, who spent a lot of time. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Yeah. Uh, immaterial. We we talked to Stephen from Coffeezilla, and uh, it was interesting because the clips that he uses of Mark Zuckerberg are seven-ish years old, and he's weird. <laughs> he's, he's on there being like, uh, when I was a human, I mean, not that I'm not a human, I, I've always been uh, not, I mean, oh, shoot. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. just awkward. Uh, he was weird, and in his first in his first congressional hearing, the way that he set the water was very strange, but then he came back in the last couple of weeks, we talked about it, and there was no news about how weird he was. Yeah. And I watched the six hours, and he was noticeably more comfortable. Mm -hmm. And if you if you actually look at his interviews over the last five to seven years, it's obvious that he has gotten much, much better in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what his demeanor's like in the boardroom, but he is, he is undeniably more comfortable in front of a camera and makes fewer gaffes that are going to blow up on Reddit. So... He even, the, the example of someone who can't learn, I would actually say, has learned. Now, the final question, can Mark Zuckerberg become George Clooney? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to that, I would say it's unlikely. I think that with everything in life, there is a band of 
uh, an aptitude that you would say you can have a musical aptitude and these can be wide bands right mm-hmm. you can be you can can't not be able to carry a tune and then you could be an excellent musician mm-hmm. mark zuckerberg's charisma band i think taps out closer to good than george clooney's does closer to amazing world class yeah yeah uh so that's what i would say yeah, Anyone, which is true of any skill yeah. This yeah. is why, despite my years of practice, I'm not in the NBA yet. <laughs> but you are incredible at Borderlands. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you I'm are. world class at Borderlands. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's my three-part answer. I think you probably feel similar. Yeah, no, the only part I was going to add, you just did. Everyone has a bell curve. Yeah. Except, I would say, we not a bell curve. Everyone starts at their base, mm-hmm. basically, whatever you're naturally talented at. And then there's a level that practice can add to it. That's true of tom brady and the worst football player sure and it's true with charisma yeah if you want to learn more check out our channel and charisma university link below sponsor of this podcast charisma on command.com <laughs> slash university slash university 30 mm-hmm. day action guide right yep 60 day money back guarantee 60 day money back guarantee 20 minutes a day we've had five thousand people nine out of ten average mm-hmm. we have to i'll have to make sure that that's still current and up to date but yeah, yeah. it's it's awesome i think I it's check, great i check it once a month <laughs> good it's it's so hard to keep that up to date because yeah. you could technically check it every day but yeah. we get we have a last i checked 1183 surveys and the average rating is a nine out of ten mm-hmm. which is awesome because if anyone gives you a two you need so many tens yeah, yeah, yeah. to get back to nine out of ten okay. so so anyways it's awesome if you want to learn more check it out uh good question though i got another one hit me this is my question for the future of cancel culture mm. because somebody in the comments again uh, showed pointed to a video which I really liked, which is where there's an AI that can mimic your voice based on five seconds of audio. Mm-hmm. So it can make anyone say anything if it can get five seconds of you. So the, you know those calls where course, they scam course. call you, or whatever, and you go, uh, "Yeah, hi." Like soon that will be enough. Everybody's got enough because everybody's posting their Instagram on Facebook, stories. On Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, so what does that look like? What does the future look like where you can literally never trust anything that's not said in person to have been from that person? Well, I don't know. I think we're still catching up to the fact that you can't trust photos. I mean, it's taken a long time yeah. for the average person to get that Instagram is totally false, <laughs> right? I remember the first time I saw it, it blew my mind because in yeah. my head, I was like, oh, yeah. People use filters. They yeah, add yeah, saturation. Yeah, it's yeah like, sepia. No. I get it. It wasn't no. actually brown. This this <laughs> this man or woman is pulling their waist yeah. in, their chest out. They're they're getting rid of their acne, but they're also changing the structure of their face. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that at first. When I I didn't realize the level of editing. And you're you're not cutting edge, but you're you're a, a someone who understands the yeah. internet. At it was a only when we level. met yeah. an influencer. His whole livelihood came from Instagram. He yeah. said he spends three hours editing each photo. Yeah, that blew my mind because mm. when I edit a photo, I push a preset. And I go, yeah, yeah. done. Nice. So the amount of changes he's making is so vast that it takes him three hours. And even his, I think, have a lot to do with lighting. And I don't know if he's is literally stretching. But that was prior when I got that. That was prior to the era of Facetune becoming such a big thing, where it's just you know mm-hmm. in out. So. Well, People the, haven't caught up to photos yeah. being fake. They really haven't. We still treat them as if they're some sort of, as if they're somehow connected to reality, which yeah. is strange. Uh, and so I think it's going to take a minute for people to really grasp, even after the first person comes out and is falsely thrown under the bus for something that they did or didn't say. I think you're going to see it all the time on Facebook with regards to politicians. That's what I'm thinking. You could, especially if you do the overlays, mm-hmm. if you overlay images or yeah. whatever. You can make anyone say anything. I could have Joe Rogan interview 
Trump mm-hmm. and I could make the conversation be whatever I want any questions yeah. any answered and so you have to so it comes back okay how how well will this do well what has previously in the previous generation of internet spread and it was things that enrage people things that make people go aw, you know yeah. all that kind of stuff well, and, the, and to be unfortunate I, I hate to say this for a time and still today probably the most edited photos were the ones that were the most popular of course no still 100% yeah. still and what does that tell you? Well, nowhere in the filter for what spreads is, is it true, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. That doesn't matter. And it's, uh, there's, there's even the argument that can already be made, which is that a lot of the news which you're getting today, the headline is deceptive enough so as to really undercut what actually happened. Like it's technically true of a headline, yeah. but, it, but it, it, they, they managed a way to lie with, while every individual word was honest. What was that study you found recently? Oh, gosh what was the one we've talked a lot about the one with the shirts but that wasn't it mm. it was it was on flirting i think oh it was, it was women and pickup lines yeah you remember that i don't remember what yeah it was. yeah i remember you told me so i'm, this I'm hoping reddit, this, this is was right, a reddit thing that we saw there was a study that came out that said that when women are attractive direct pickup lines work best but when a woman is less attractive as rated by the person judging the pickup line mm-hmm. they're better off using something cheeky or even like aggressive like a put down and and it sounds when you think oh okay i could see why that makes sense and you start confirmation biasing your way to i get that yeah but then you said you looked into it and not even looked into it i read the comments (laughs) of reddit which is i'm presuming these are true but the one was like just so you guys know these were photos of women with text underneath for what the line was yeah and then they were asked how good it was and that's not what life is yeah yeah that's which to extrapolate (laughs) from that to what would actually occur in real life is crazy if yeah. that is what they did yeah but that doesn't matter because the headline's good yes yeah the headline is the headline is good and i think we already live in that world so yeah so this just adds weirdly enough another tool which i don't even know how groundbreaking it will ultimately be because they can you've you've got people saying anything and everything being clipped out of context you can get people to say just about whatever you want already this only adds <laughs> a little bit more ammunition mm. uh so yeah i think it i think it continues and honestly eventually people just have to get fed up tired uh desensitized to it until the next big wave of what can make people angry rolls in we'll see <laughs> it's already 24 hours showing up on your phone <laughs> like downloaded directly oh i deleted brain. the reddit app so nice. I'm going to have less, I'm going to have less juicy stuff for the podcast, but yeah. I initially downloaded it so I could reference the news tab for yeah. for podcast research, but then I found I was going to it for other things yeah. and it just became too much. So, but just so everyone knows watching, we've deleted and gotten off Reddit like probably 30 times each. So. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. She's a, she's a fickle mistress. She's a fickle mistress. And uh, in three weeks when Ben says, so I read on Reddit. Oh, don't. I'm going to do it on my laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reddit's allowed on the laptop. Got it. Uh, so speaking of the podcast, this is a weird transition. It's a C. Uh, I was thinking about how to grow it. Mm. And so one of the things that I'm doing, uh, I have a speech that I'm giving at Traffic and Conversion Summit in San Diego, which is how to get traffic to your, your thing. Yeah, and how to make a YouTube video or a YouTube channel and how, how to, to make grow a YouTube, YouTube channel, channel and how to grow it yeah. is, is what I'm talking about. So if you want to come check it out, I think there's a link that we have. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's called but, Traffic and Conversion Summit. We don't make money from selling tickets. We actually do have an affiliate code, but I don't know where it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to make money from it. Um, it's, not, so yeah. it's not essential. But we'll be there. Uh, uh, but if I can find the link, I, I will post it. Uh, so the the analysis that I'm doing for that is really trying to 
understand deep more deeply how we grew our channel, mm. how other channels have grown. And it's really doing the, it's taking the analysis that I often do with regards to charisma and yeah. applying it to the growth of these channels. You're doing a charisma channels. breakdown yeah. for our own YouTube channel. For our own YouTube nice. channel. And so I'm looking around at what works and I was, okay, how does podcast grow? And the best thing that I have found has actually come from Matt Devella. Um, he had this podcast. I got to ask him why he hasn't kept doing it in the last three months. But I think you've seen some of his videos. What he does is he has a video, for instance, where he interviewed the guy from The Buried Life. Mm. And the title of the video is Watch This Video Before You Die. Pretty engaging thumbnail. And in the video, it's, it's an essay from Matt punctuated by moments of his conversation mm. podcast with Ben Nempton of a lot The of Buried Life. A lot of production yeah. value. Lot he's of a thing. great editor. He's, an, he's a fantastic editor and storyteller. But that's gonna get half a million to a million views over the course maybe more over mm -hmm. the course of its life it's got it's got half a million probably the first week mm -hmm. uh that is solves one of the biggest problems that people encounter and that we are encountering which is what everybody thinks about you know what am i going to talk about what will my title be but they don't consider does your format have legs mm -hmm. and i will tell you the podcast format is one of the weakest formats that one can post on YouTube. And we bump into this because it's an hour long. We can never find an engaging and accurate title to accurately <laughs> sum up what we've talked about. And ultimately, it's two guys sitting in front of a wall with photos that people may or may not like behind yeah. us having a conversation. It's not, I gave $100,000 in a house to my pizza delivery guy, which is just instantly more accessible. And so what I think Matt has done really well is he's found a way to shift the format of the podcast into a video essay, which is so much more powerful. And then, of course, he can push back to the, if you want to see the whole conversation, yeah. click here. Does he publish them on podcast uh, apps, though? SoundCloud and he Spotify? Has. He has. He has. Uh, in the past. I don't know how much he's doing it. He's still having these conversations, but I looked, and at least on his website, he hadn't up updated yeah. his podcast. Well, I know why. He's working on another Netflix documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he still had these conversations. And really what these turn out to be is trailers for the podcast that get a ton more views. So anyway, something for us to consider about this. If you're an incredible video editor and you want to make Ben and I look like movie stars. <laughs> you want to work for free on something you're passionate <laughs> no, about. No, but it's hard. I'm not even going to pretend that it, that, uh, that a really good video editor could do it because it requires that video essay mentality. Mm -hmm. And Matt's, Matt's a great storyteller as well. Uh, so, but that that is one thing. If we find that growing this becomes very difficult, that's a high work but potentially high reward yeah. thing that we could do. Have you considered begging our listeners to share it with people? Please, for the love of God, guys! <laughs> no, I understand. I hope that you that those of you listening enjoy it, and and please tell your friends and 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 subscribe and all that stuff. It, it helps. But you're saying it's not it's not innovative. We and my job is not just to make interesting content. It's to make a format that is more accessible. Mm. And, and I think I mentioned this. What the people who have succeeded often do is they adjust the format. So you have the office ladies. And every podcast episode, they take an office episode and they break it down. It's immediately understandable. You know the episodes that you want to watch. They have a huge fan base already. Mm. That's brilliant. When we, after this conversation, go, what did we talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we go, uh, what if Art we, Basel. <laughs> what if we watch the Charisma Breakdowns and break down the Charisma Breakdowns? Mm, double mm. Breakdown reacts. I like it. Mm. So anyway, that's what I'm, I'm thinking about these esoteric random things that I imagine aren't fascinating to everybody, but 
you may see a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> for you the might podcast. see some wacky formats. Yeah. At yeah. one point, we were talking about doing hands-on with Charlie and Ben and getting manicures with yeah. people, right? Get, get Jordan Peterson just sitting in a manicure table. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, Hot Ones has a great format, right? Yeah. It, it adjusted the standard interview format to make it more interesting. And then, of course, the content has to be good enough, which it is. Mm-hmm. So that's that. The other thing, I'll, I'll hop into this one. So it made me realize I was just trying to rank where does business power sort of lie today and i thought of that because kurg kurgistat you know kurgistat i think it's kurgistat or something i think i got it that last time did a video that was on gratitude and at the end of it they make a very soft pitch for their gratitude journal Mm -hmm. which looks really nice Mm -hmm. and it occurred to me that this video is trending. It had over a million views within the first 24 hours. I'm not sure that they're going to blow the five-minute journal out of the water. But if they tried, I think they could. Because what they have that the five-minute journal doesn't is an audience. Mm. And they have eyeballs and attention that they don't have to pay for. In fact, people seek them out. What the five-minute journal had was Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. It was Tim Ferriss. Yeah. They don't own Tim Ferriss. No, but that's why they went big. Yes. They had the Tim Ferriss exactly. hug of death. Exactly. Now, if they want Tim Ferriss to continue promoting them, they probably need to pay him. Yeah, at this point, yeah. At this point, it's probably $100,000 for two or three podcast reads, if not more. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it made me realize, okay, so one, product is obviously important, Mm -hmm. but clearly audience is more important. And I've been thinking about this since I first broke down Joe, Lake, Lake, Logan and Jake Paul, Jogan and Lake. (laughs) Uh, When I did that breakdown and I saw how they integrated the merch into the storyline of what they were doing and how that was just going to blow away every other person trying to sell sweaters to kids because this is what they demanded to watch. Uh, I see it all over YouTube. We talked about Shane Dawson Mm -hmm. with the biggest makeup launch ever. Why? Because his makeup is better. I don't know, probably because he has the audience. Mm -hmm. So it seems that audience trumps product Mm. uh, as long as the product is not terrible, Mm. right? But then beyond that, Shane, Logan, us, we're all beholden to these platforms, right? Because if any of these platforms decide that what we're doing, I don't know if you've been watching what's happening with COPPA. Uh, No. Oh, so this is fascinating. COPPA is going to be enacted and it is poised to have a massive effect some people are i think probably fear-mongering but they're saying 80 to 90 percent of the ad revenue of kids channels could be gone okay uh and it's because you can no longer collect data on children so the targeted ads that you were getting for these three four five you know boy whatever you can't do anymore and so all you know now is that it's it's a kid is it a boy is it a girl is he three is he 12 we don't know and so that means that the val- nobody wants to spend as much money on those ads. Uh, but what that you could have had, you know, a massive audience on YouTube of kids. But guess who has the power over you? YouTube, mm-hmm. these platforms who own it. Uh, and it was just we were talking about, you know, how Elon Musk, the 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 order of product, then content, I guess, or audience, and then platform seems to be where the power is, and how if you. Are where who's going to own ads in the future? Well, it might be Elon Musk if he gets you driving to work for two hours in his Tesla that is auto-driven and just has ads all along the inside. So I don't. I, I was nothing more than that. I don't know if you have a reaction to it, but was just considering where where I, power lies in the future. I agree, but I'd rather be a content creator than develop a platform. Me too. Me too. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, whoever cracks VR will be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. 
but I'd rather do this podcast than try to crack VR. Sure. So I'm just accepting that I'll have someone's yoke on me. And right now it's Apple and YouTube. And yeah. at some point, maybe it'll be Facebook and Oculus. But yeah. I'm just ready to wear my yoke. Yes. <laughs> right. And right now, and quite frankly, they're, they've been to us all Great. in all Great. generous. Well, I, depending on the weeks, one week will be like, this copyright stuff is terrible. Yeah, but still. <laughs> it happened this morning, just so you know. On the whole, you got to say YouTube's been yes. wonderful for to us for Charisma to us. Command. Yes, and I think that's important. But now, if you're a mid-sized family vlogger, you're and you don't sell. Yeah, a I'm product. not saying I'm not saying YouTube's benevolent. Yeah, I'm just saying even when they're a pain in the butt. Yeah, we're better off that YouTube exists. Sure. So far, and also Did I they flagged be clear. Jumanji. Uh, it was yeah, it was flagged for copyright. Who's back? <laughs> but that's not YouTube. And I think it's important <clears throat> to say that neither is COPPA. Yeah. YouTube is enforcing. I was just going to say, YouTube, isn't that the law? Yes. YouTube got sued $170 million, which which some people are saying is completely absurd. Uh, I don't know if it's the case. I haven't read deeply enough into it. But yeah, it's YouTube isn't like, oh, we want to do this. The no. power really YouTube lies is in losing the money. government. So, it's government, mm-hmm. platform, mm-hmm. content creators, product. Yeah, which is fascinating. Uh, and then you could even analyze, okay, how... Does the government Dude, run? You should run for president. I don't. Well, obviously, president, I think, has a good deal of power. But where are the levers over government? And I don't don't say elections. No, no. Lobbyists. <laughs> I think lobbyists. lobbyists. Donors and lobbyists. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's why there's the alleged Bernie blackout, which yeah. I haven't looked into. And then weirdly enough, there's this circle between platforms and government because, OK, say that you have this massive platform that has billions of dollars, then you get lobbyists and you control yeah, the government. And, can... and now it's like, well, who technically has the most power Yeah, that's power like Monsanto, yeah. right? <laughs> Monsanto has to Disney check the government. The copyright law constantly being adjusted so that Mickey Mouse that never comes so up. That story is so crazy. Right? I didn't know that. For yeah. people who don't know, apparently Mickey Mouse will just always be owned by Disney because they keep pushing how long one can own the rights to something. Mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, so then there's this, okay, I'm not really sure who's at the very end of this power scheme. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, though, I do think it's the monk on the mountain who just doesn't care about anything. Nah, no it's one big can business. control him. It's big business, baby. <laughs> All right. So I, I have maybe one more. Uh, Are we going to fight Jumanji? We're going to fight for our we right? We got it. We got it. Nice. It's all good. It's all been taken care of. Uh, and the last one that I was just looking at, because then this brought me to kids' content, was... <laughs> Dude, kids' content on YouTube is disturbing. Were you watching that uh, kid? Who's the toy review guy? Ryan. Were you watching Ryan? I wasn't watching Ryan. I I was just watching, I forget what the channel was, but man, it is disturbing. Yeah. And I I think there's probably some judgmentalness that is coming from me and maybe a lack of having hung out with three-year-olds in many years. Yeah. Since my cousins were that age. But have you watched any of these videos? The last I checked in on youtube's child's content was uh when it, there was the spider-man and elsa yeah. craze yeah that, where people realized that all the little girls loved elsa and mm-hmm. all the little boys loved spider-man so they were making ridiculous mm-hmm. spider-man and elsa mashups yeah. basically yeah and with and it was very weird to watch actually in terms of just like quick moving and quick cuts and random stuff and wonky noises so that created a backlash and a lot of that has been cut out but what is very common today and i've watched only a handful of them is secrets <laughs> ninjas and chases so every video has got this hurricane we gotta go we gotta run and it's these you know anywhere from i don't know what the youngest person might be maybe it's a 16 17 year old content creator all the way up to 30 40 year old people who are running around and it just weirds me out man yeah like, yeah come on there's a secret we gotta go get on the scooter come on we're going 
So <laughs> because <weird. laughs> what they want is watch time. And so you're saying that the nonstop panic makes it hard for kids to stop watching? Well, clearly there's something that connects with children. And secrets, uh, scooter chases <laughs> are hot right now. And ninjas. <laughs> and ninjas are all are all crack. But man, because you can talk about how people are easily manipulated and people have figured out the algorithms to hack our dopamine. How much less complicated is a three-year-old? Yeah. I mean, these these are in some ways the most simple biological machines that we that we have in the human species mm -hmm. and the way that they are in my opinion just being um stimulus response stimulus response stimulus response all the to for ad revenue is it's disturbing i yeah. don't know i and i and i might not be fairly applying it seems like my a principles big, here it seems like a, a far leap from sesame street well, I, I think that everything has been ratcheted up for all levels, all age levels. I mean, if you True. watch... Have you ever tried to watch an old movie? Yeah, they're boring. They're slow, man. <laughs> I love The Princess Bride. Yeah. And I was dating someone who'd never seen it. I was like, we got to watch it. We got a half hour inch. She goes, this is the slowest, most boring movie I've ever seen. Yeah. So it just doesn't hold up to today's... There needs to be explosions and stuff. So it's totally possible that what I'm saying has happened with all media but it, ha it you boiled. just feel worse about three-year-olds well it also boiled the frog that is me because i watched my age media mm -hmm. and i haven't watched that style media in a long time so it was more jarring but yeah man it one i do have a reaction that's visceral when i see that which is like this isn't doesn't seem good for children yeah which is based on uh just a reaction but even more than that what i do think is is safer to say is the overstimulated nervous system that we all must have today, even compared to 30, 50, 60 years ago, we, yeah, we have to constantly be on edge. Dude, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I am going to start leaving my phone like away when I leave the house mm -hmm. because I was realizing that part of being present is recognizing the beauty around you, the trees, the mm -hmm. sunrise, whatever it is. When you have your phone, you're, it's just so habitual this moment you have a second of boredom mm. to just turn to it for reddit for facebook for instagram for whatever i was realizing that that it it comes at a cost and it's not phone addiction necessarily but it's just a lack of existing yeah. in your brain and in your body you know what i mean mm -hmm. totally so, yeah i i feel that I I 100% agree. I, we're not we're not near the first to note that no no i just realized it this morning cuz yeah. i woke up and checked my phone it was just the first thing I did. And I threw yeah. it across the room when I realized what I'd done. Yeah, and yeah, and I wasn't going to bring it up because I don't think it's necessarily a novel concept. But since you're saying we're, we're all overstimulated, not in the sense that it creates an addiction necessarily, but just in the sense that you get used to never having a moment of calm in a movie. Yeah. I think what is also possible, and this is, is that it's people are like, oh, my brain is overstimulated. But I think it's, I think when you look at it as your nervous system, it, it holds a little bit more weight because I think that everybody, myself included, is carrying so much more reactivity. Yeah, that's what it was. Like in your body. I don't just mean in your thoughts. I mean, in the way that you move and the stiffness or the quick react like that. And that's one of the things we always bring it back. When you do psychedelics, you take the deepest breath and you go, oh, and you you kind of remember some kind of times what it's like to let go yeah. of all of that. No, what I realized is I was feeling this weird compulsion to respond to things immediately, even when they weren't urgent. So mm -hmm. I'd get a text, an Instagram uh, message, a Reddit message, an email, and I would feel like we would be talking and I'd see the pop-up and I it wouldn't be important, but it would be in my head like, oh, I got to get back to that. Yeah. It made me 
feel like I, w I was uh, responsible for part of this instant back and forth. Yeah. And it's like, this, this could go four hours and be fine. And someone can have a phone, see the message and just go, eh, and not think about it for four hours. Sure. But I was noticing in myself, even unimportant things were starting to feel urgent in the back of my mind and they distract me from what I was actually doing. Yeah. Which is why I was like, I'm just gonna go to the gym without the phone at all. Yeah. And like let something fall fall for a couple hours. Oh no, somebody get back. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, <laughs> okay sorry yeah they're okay i mean you know how i am i'm terrible i you don't want to be like me because i'm sure that i've made some friends sad and angry by not <laughs> responding to them but i don't respond to anybody <laughs> sorry justin <laughs> i didn't get back to justin's email this week um but that i was watching a comedy central roast last night just because i was being lazy yep and certainly high energy is valuable to charisma but along the lines of this hyper stimulated quick react is it was really interesting because Blake Griffin did one of the roasts and whoever he came after, he just had a slower pace then. And yes, he's a basketball player and he's commands presence, but I thought that his pacing was so much stronger. Mm -hmm. He commanded the, the stage so much better. And it wasn't that there's, there's a way to be connected but languid in your movements mm -hmm. which isn't you're just not slow and drunk up there you're you're in it and you're enjoying it but you don't feel rushed mm -hmm. to to deliver every punchline and i i talk so fast right but he you're trying to keep up with that big brain <laughs> well that's that's the speed at which things go which yeah. we're told is good but maybe it's not just good yeah. right and he was, his punchlines, I, I was trying to analyze his jokes. I was like, these are good jokes, but his delivery is fantastic. His comic timing is great. It's so good. Yeah. And he was up there with comedians who mm -hmm. are paid to do that. And he crushed, he crushed. Uh, it just made me realize, I'm just like this pacing thing, man. Yeah, faster is not always better. Deserves to be in a breakdown again. I know that we've done it in the past. It reminds me of the Ryan Goslings of the world who just have this, this commanding ability to hold attention without doing too much mm -hmm. and i think that that is cut into a i think reacting to your phone makes you worse at it in every other aspect sure. of your life so if you want more charisma consider the, the phone yeah thing yeah as you well. should do a blake griffin breakdown he's pretty good man i mean that i just watched that one that one yeah. no he did thing. an interview recently where he was funny i that's why i know that his comedic timing is good interesting he's regularly funny he's done some stand-up that's really good yeah cool do you have anything else before we do yeah news? before we do though two two good movies that do hold up that I was just thinking about because I watched them recently. Rounders, and this one's actually new, but it's slow. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because mm. you were saying that maybe kids are the same as adults, but there is room in adults, I think, for slow movies if they're done well. And yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe it's true of kids as well. Yeah. But I think there is something to be said for that it's easier to just exploit the dopamine triggers of a three-year-old because mm -hmm. i was re-watching rounders which is old and slow and it's really good still so interesting we also watched knives out which i loved oh so good i loved I told, it i immediately told my parents to, to go, see, go it. see it i i want more movies like that so go see knives out i think you'll have a blast another unaffiliated recommendation yeah Hold what on. you got uh oh well i have a couple of questions that i liked which maybe we can we'll just bring up during the fan questions sure. but do you want to do some news yeah <laughs> So the first thing up is that a Swiss astronomer named Didier Quelaz, uh, good name, just won. Didier. Yeah, I probably butchered it. No, Didier, I like it. Is a uh, he was a Nobel Prize winner for physics, and he used his platform to say that we should focus on fixing the Earth rather than finding ways to escape it. Hmm. Um, and then the article mentions Stephen Hawking was like, you know, famously said like, "Oh, we're we're screwed. Like we have to figure out a way to leave the planet." Hmm. 
Um, so my question to you guys is just like, because assuming that the world's richest countries are the ones that are kind of eating the resources and like mm-hmm. screwing it over for everyone else, like, do you think it's even possible for like these countries to like band together and be like? I think that only when uh, self-interest is threatened do people uh, band together to change anything, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't see a lot of this is going to, oh, we need this for the world. Now, maybe Gen Z will be different. It seems like there's a different ethos, but I guess young people have always... Yeah, young people are always the more, let's let's do it for the future. That's yeah. sure the 70s, mm-hmm. you know, peace and love and environmentalism. Those people are on power right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, all the environmentalists from the 70s <laughs> are the ones... All the hippies should have, should have fixed this. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, that's a general, genu- general theme. Mm-hmm. So when you're young... You're ready idealistic. to change the world. Yeah. You're idealistic. You don't think things are impossible or too hard. And, and you're not in the system yet. Community focused. Yeah. You're not in the system yet. Yeah, you yeah. haven't been indoctrinated into your place of work for 12 years or whatever. You know, and then as you get older, you tend to become more focused on my own family and my own stuff. You tend to become more conservative and you tend to realize that it's, it's a little bit harder to do what you thought was sure. so easy. If that is true, I wonder, I'm not sure that that's a pattern that has held or will hold, you know, some some anthropologist of America can maybe tell me. But if that is the case, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that from zero to 18, you're mostly taken care of. So like mm-hmm. your, your needs are, you're not expected to be independent. And when things are provided to you, it's much easier to be like, we should share, we should do all of this. And then, as you enter into the world and then you start at the bottom of the working totem pole and then you get a family that is dependent upon you, mm-hmm. selfishness really re-enters the equation. And it's like, I look, I got to work. I got to get this back to me and my own. And then you raise your own kid in relative security and they yeah. go, we got to sh- <laughs> Well, I think it's partially that. I also think it's being in organizations and trying mm-hmm. to getting to the point of being a middle manager or something like that. Because when you're when I was younger, it's like, oh, yeah, why do we need, why don't we just band together to solve the food problem for the world? Mm-hmm. And now I have a, a nine-person organization that I can't get to run smoothly. I go, oh, my God, I can't organize myself, Charlie, and nine other people to get YouTube videos up on time every week. We screw yeah. it up sometimes. And I'm asking that every corporation that has any input into seeds or fertilizer or whatever yeah. harmoniously exists like it's a game of The Sims. So I think you just realize that execution is tough. Look at Obama's healthcare thing, yeah. right? Like he was so philosophically excited about that. Mm. But then in an effort to push it through a 50-person Senate. 100-person Senate. 100-person Senate. He had to uh, compromise and work and this and that and give. And now, he's, you know, I'm sure it's something he's not even that stoked about. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think as you maybe are in more organizations more, you realize how complicated this stuff can be. Sure. I think there's two things. One is that the pre-existing way of doing things is kind of like a glacier. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard to change. But two, I think that as I've gotten older, I've never thought I would say this. I've realized the value of a lot of the institutions that I thought were just mechanisms of oppression. Mm-hmm. And that while certainly not perfect, they were they were created to solve a problem for someone. And they do some kind of an adequate job whether you're talking about the the tax system the government as it currently exists like there were there have been gains made in the past and while totally imperfect this this hulking structure of government uh is better than it was and it is and then tearing it down just go let's just help each other is like it's uh then you start tweaking with the existing system and i don't know whether you need a revolution well you're you're an interesting example because you i would say correct me if i'm wrong 
young, more like a revolutionary yeah, in terms certainly. of your ideologies, totally. potentially more socialist, right? I think you fit the kind of charismatic 19 year old that would try to lead an uprising in another <laughs> in another society. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you were the guy who was going to overthrow the government. And now you're much more moderate, have more conservative. So what made you shift? What's been what converted you from 19 to 32 to that? Well, let me let me just make sure that I I have to think about it. So when I was 19, yeah, I, mean, I remember we read the Communist Manifesto in, in philosophy. I was like, this makes a ton of sense. Uh, and it does when you read it. It's, you know, it, and especially for the time that it was written in, uh, that the owners of capital are, are controlling the proletariat and that there needs to be a change and you're not going to do it by putting in more hours. It made a ton of sense. Uh, I studied in Latin America and history in Latin America is very different than history that's taught in the United States, and it's all about colonialism and oppression and and all of those sorts of things, and that that heavily informed and still does the way that I that I view the U.S. and its sort of empire over mm-hmm. the over the twentieth century. And then what I, I still hold some of those views, but I guess I would say what changed is that the fundamental belief was that there was a cabal of bad guys at the top. And that if we could just get the good people into the top, everything would change. And as I've gotten older, what I've seen is that the bad guys exist at every social strata uh, in similar in similar degrees, degrees, but with limited ability to execute on that uh, selfish intent. And that the problem is not a problem of uh, class versus class. It's like it's the divide in every human heart. It is good versus evil in my own life and that the only way to start to try to fix what is happening this is the spiritual part of it what is happening in donald trump's white house or pick anyone's white house is to figure out the evil that i am committing in my own life and go through the very grueling process of one identifying it because nobody thinks they're doing anything evil Mm -hmm. and rooting it out in my own life because if i can't do that of course donald trump can't do that right mm. why would he he's 70 years old and stuck in his ways so if i as a 32 year old can't figure it out well, how could i possibly expect him to um that was the big the big shift is is seeing the people at the top of the pyramid as similar to myself and then the solution is not in replacing them with people like myself because mm. i would probably do the same thing it's in becoming the type of person who is less mm-hmm. self-centered so that's the big shift i would say and then, yeah, and then what does that lead to? It leads to greater focus on small things, uh, personal responsibility, and uh, I don't know if it goes beyond that. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. I also think there's a bit of the devils in the details. Like, the more you think about something, the the more you try to actually enact something, the harder it is to be an ideologue about it. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll get yeah. concrete with that. We know someone whose father died of brain cancer. Very sad. And they're very, they hate the government. They're very pro universal health care, right? And they think that's because it would have helped their dad, right? Mm-hmm. Until we talk to them about, well, would it have given your dad's age and his, where he was at? It's possible that actually our universal health care wouldn't have covered it at all. And because there'd be no private insurance, it would have all been out of pocket. It might have mm-hmm. been a worse system for him. And that's a real surprise because it's easy to go the system current system's bad and a new system would 
fix everything. And it's a system where everybody gets food, everybody gets education, everybody gets this. And it's like, of course, that sounds wonderful. But yeah, okay, how then does that Yeah, how occur? do we execute it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's kind of going back to what I was saying. Like, like when you realize how hard it is to get 11 people to make a YouTube video once a week, you start to think about the execution of stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. for me, when I was 19, I would never have thought of that. And if you think that execution is a problem, similar to what I said, you assume that, well, the problem can't be that it's difficult to do. The problem has to be evil people don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Yeah. Selfish, evil people. And there people. is evil that happens in the world. I'm not saying there is. Of course. Isn't, it, but I, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm saying is that it's uh, the proportion to which it is occurring is similar at every social strata, but the outcome is, of course, higher given those people at the top mm -hmm. have the ability to start wars, <laughs> uh, control policy and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it just gets complicated. Like people don't like that Zuckerberg will allow certain types of political advertisements on the platform. So they say he shouldn't be able to do that, which sounds nice until you ask about how would you like to execute that? Do you want mm -hmm. a Facebook team to determine what's allowed to be shown or not? Mm -hmm. Because that might even be a scarier world. And so, yeah, I think that when you ask the question, well, how would you like to execute that? Things get complicated. And I think that's just something that experience shows you which might be why as you get older people are less has are more hesitant to kind of tear it all down because mm -hmm. they there's not a lot of brilliant detailed suggestions sure. for how to execute and a I better think, thing. i think there's got to be and you have to at least give a head nod to when you get when you benefit from the system there's of course a desire to not tear whatever you are your own home down mm -hmm. uh I think well, but that, you think that older people benefit from the system more than younger people? No, I think that they've paid into a system and they are now getting the the outcome of that, right? So they've worked a lot of their whole life into a, in a capitalist society. They've accrued some wealth. And now it's like, no, I'd rather not pay for every kid's college. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Versus when you're in college and all you have is student debt, you're like, I want to get rid of this. Yeah, yeah. But when you're 50, 60 years old and you did pay for your college and you worked for those 10, 20 years, you're like, yeah kind of think they should have to struggle because I don't want to cover it. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know how we, I feel like we've <laughs> meandered <laughs> into, a, into a place that I don't really know what point I'm making. Why are you no longer a socialist revolutionary? <laughs> That's the question. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's because the, the, the big thing is that I assume that evil people were running the world. And I don't think that the people who run the world are any more evil than the average person on the street i think that they have mechanisms of power which allow their evil to be magnified in a way that the person on the street just doesn't yeah if you switch places if you traded their places yeah. they, they would just do similar exactly stuff. you'd see nepotism and all the same sorts of things that you see i mean did I, I told you about nepotism did i not mention this in the last podcast i don't remember uh just briefly so i you know trump's white house and then i was at thanksgiving and uh my one cousin who got a good job gave two or three jobs to my littler cousins. You know what I mean? They're 19 to 20 and they quick, they got all the low level jobs at the company. Yeah. What do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, they're, yeah, they're good. They got good grades. They study, they all that, but come on. <laughs> like this is, this is how Trump's White House happened. Sure. It's the same thing. And I'm not saying that my cousin is a bad person for doing this. Of course he wants to help out his little cousin who he knows and trusts. Almost everyone would be a nepotist. I'm saying, yeah, that that you start to see those those sorts of patterns occurring at at all different levels yeah. of of the world, and and it's the same, you know, when your friend the bartender pours you a free drink, you know, like yeah, yeah. people do favors for the people that they know and like that they that are against the rules. Yeah. Uh, so I see it everywhere. It just takes on a way worse uh, outcome when it happens 
in the most powerful places on the planet. Halliburton. Halliburton. Anyways, we'll hop on. What else we got? Sorry for uh, taking your astrophysics question and ruining it, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect no less. Um, okay, so the next one is about something called the Arete Project, uh, which is a Greek word. Yeah. I think it means excellent. Um, so it's about this girl who basically applied to a college in like rural California. It's like one of those farming colleges where you like learn and you also like figure out how to like milk cattle and stuff okay um she was rejected she went to yale graduated and then started her own sort of like summer camp for college kids where she takes them up to like rural alaska and they sit in this enclave and they like make decisions as like a community wow and they, like, it's almost like this utopia yeah that's crazy what a badass solution yeah. to that rejection fine i'll just go to yale and start my own and does it go on past that or um uh, no it's just more so like the kids all get together like they're all from different backgrounds they're all from the u.s though uh, or they go to school in the u.s mm -hmm. um from all different kind of classes of colleges and wow. then they get together they learn how to like fish how to like blacksmith how to like do handiwork yeah so, it's cool that's it, really interesting that reminds me of something because he said they all make the decisions together communism tying into our last question it works more it's easier at a small scale there are kibbutzes in israel that do work yeah you know what i'm saying and the small com country, smaller countries like Norway can have socialized healthcare, and it does work. So it's just interesting. Yeah, this this works at a small community level. These philosophies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, they work in families. You know that sure. everybody chips in. Nobody. Where's the ledger of what you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you realize your food costs. The as parents much. make it all, have, and the kids have you, nothing, so with they the get net nothing. present value of the Gerber yeah. that I'm giving you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, well, this also reminded me of. I, I would like to have him on because I think he's an interesting figure. I don't know too much, but his name is Graham Stephen. And I watched this thing by Jubilee, which was like millionaires talk to minimum wage workers. Mm. And they ask questions. You know, I worked for everything I have, yada, yada, yada. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And unfortunately, I think the guy that is representing the not capitalist side can't do a great job. And he starts with the line of, you know, well, actually, like, you know, these roads and the society is pre-built for you, yada, yada, yada. And like a lot of small business owners take loans. And then he opens it up and he goes, well, the guys, I didn't take a loan. I built my business from scratch. And he doesn't have a response to that. Mm. And it's it's like, dude, go to you want to see what a human looks like who does something from scratch. Show up in Alaska with no clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, see how good you are from scratch. And by the way, let's have warring tribes all around you who want nothing more than to just kill you and enslave you. Like humans do nothing, nothing from scratch. Not in 2020, not ever. Uh, and if and I think that that's really important to recognize as a business owner. It, beyond the roads and the and the fact that you have customers to sell to. I mean, yeah, I didn't sew this. I didn't. I didn't know how to rig this mic, let alone figure out how the electricity yeah, make, flows from the wall. How about into make it. the internet? It's absurd. the The idea that that I uh, did this by myself. Yeah. I used YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And my video editing software, ScreenFlow. And this is important. Even if you come from a, uh, you were an orphan who comes from yeah, nothing, humble background. Uh, you did not do it yourself. Somebody fed you when you were little, even if they were a terrible caretaker. Uh, you you grew up. Yeah, you don't know how to sew. You don't know how to fish. And if you did know how to fish, how did they get the line? Where did that come from? Uh, it's the idea that humans do things by themselves is absurd. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think I would like to, I'd really like to talk to someone who is a more staunch capitalist. I own what I own and I should own. And it's right that I own what I have. I mean, I, I see a lot of problems in that system, which is partially why I try to give because I feel just this guilt <laughs> about operating in this system. Nice. 
but yeah, I would like to talk to someone. I don't think he's a bad guy at all, but he sort of was representing this philosophy of, you know, I grew up poor and I had to show up to all these open houses myself when I became a real estate agent. I had no connections. No, but I, and I, and I think that every everyone in the room was convinced by that argument. That's what that's what coming up from nothing looks like. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, I, his argument might be that this was available to a lot of people, but it certainly can't be that I built it by myself because yeah. that's not ever been the case. Uh, so I think there's a really interesting argument to be had with, with somebody who's a little bit more into capitalism as a end-all be-all than I am. And I It's watch not going to be me. No. Next question. <laughs> I can't straw man that well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, fan questions? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. I got some. Yeah. Oh, you have some. Yeah, dude, because I, like you recommended, went through our comments. <laughs> so I found some good ones. So... This is a great question by Ella Sophia. She said, I just listened to the ketamine conversation in your last podcast. It is interesting that we encourage people not to find escapes from mental anguish through the use of drugs and alcohol. But then as discussed, the right dose of drugs like ketamine can be seen as helpful or medicinal. So maybe these escapes are actually spiritual experiences bringing us to the right place. As Ben mm. mentioned, a place of apathy. I, I have my thoughts on that, but I'm curious what you think. I haven't done a lot of what are considered the drugs. I've done some psychedelics, but I've never done. Okay, I'll weigh in. Yeah. So I've done I've done substances that could count as escapes or count as therapeutic, actually. Um, acid, uh, psilocybin, things of that nature, MDMA. And I have found that there actually is a massive difference, even with the same substance, between using something as an escape versus using something as a medicine or a therapeutic purposes. So I, I've actually found that the setting and the intent makes a huge difference. So uh, my friend's wedding, we all did acid and I didn't learn anything. I didn't reflect on myself. I didn't reflect <laughs> on the nature of the universe. I didn't think about kindness. I thought, wow, this is really loud techno music. Yeah. And it was, I would call it an escape and I don't even mean that pejoratively, it was fun. It was just meant to be pleasant while on it. Mm -hmm. Didn't even turn out to be pleasant while on it. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the intent. I've done MDMA and the intent was to have a good time on it. And that's exactly what you get. And you don't get anything afterwards. When you do it for a therapeutic or spiritual purpose, I think you're doing it in a different setting with a different energy coming into it and a different intent. And the experience you get is completely different. So for example, when I did ketamine, I sat in a chair that was a zero gravity chair with an eye mask on. I listened to a Sam Harris meditation and then I listened to nondescript binaural beats that was meant to create a sensory deprivation yeah. experience with the intent of thinking about specific things. In my case, it was anxiety around wealth creation and um, why releasing the, the need for people that I don't know to have good opinions of me because of the stuff we do. And so that was what was on my mind going into it. And so it led to a very deep hour of reflection that I thought was powerful and heart opening as she mm -hmm. referenced. But if I had taken the same ketamine and then gone to Chipotle with my friends to hang out, I wouldn't have had the space to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's actually not it's not based on the substance. Some are good, some are bad. It's it's about creating the environment and the mental environment to allow yourself to have a breakthrough. And the only caveat I would have is I have never heard of people having those experiences on certain substances like alcohol. I was going to say, what about an alcohol circle? No, so that's the thing. I, and so I would say that some of them lend themselves to both. Maybe we've never tried. 
Maybe we've never had a bunch of people in ponchos. That's this with, is, with a fire in so the this, middle. This is what I'm saying. I don't taking drinks. I don't beer. think. I don't think. I could be wrong. So I think there are some things that lend themselves more easily or seem to traditionally be yeah. used, and they tend to be psychedelics. Sure. But that's my experience. No one snorts cocaine and then sits and meditates for an hour about heart opening. I think that there is a uh, derivative of the cocoa leaf, though, that is used for that. Like, it's not when you snort cocaine. Up it's probably not Trust cocaine. Me. Probably not cocaine. Trust me. Uh, but I believe that in a lot of those, gosh, what is it called? It's, it's some sort of snuff from, from the cocoa leaf, which is often used in conjunction with, sure. with other stuff. So, yeah, I think there's, there's certain substances that lend themselves to one versus the other. There's certain substances that can be both. A lot of it is about the intent and the environment. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it would be, I would hope to never be interpreted as saying that to take psilocybin and go to a party is not an escape, but it's therapeutic. I do not, yeah, yeah. that is not, there's the opposite of what I hope to convey. What yeah. I hope to convey is that these substances in the right setting and circumstance are powerful and helpful. Yeah. But it is not meant to be, people should do psilocybin. People should do acid. No, that's not what that. I'm saying at all. No. Um, yeah. So that that's my response to that question, which I thought was a great question. Yeah, it's good. I mean, the same thing is true of sobriety, right? Like you can sit in a chair and play a video game or you could sit in a chair and meditate. I mean, it's it, your intent and your focus. You can even sit in a chair and think, which is not the same as sitting in a chair and meditating. Uh, clearly the intent which you bring to every experience has a dramatic mm-hmm. effect on this the spiritual depths that you go to. Sure. Yeah. And the only thing I would say is that some substances seem to me to be more helpful than others. Yeah. So if someone wanted to have heart opening empathy, I would recommend ketamine over cocaine. And if somebody was dealing with drug withdrawal or PTSD, I would recommend Ibogaine over alcohol. Mm-hmm. There seems to be that certain substances are more useful than others. Yeah. So cool. Good question. Great did you, question. Did you have other questions or are these now to Justin? I have one more. Yes. They're not my questions. This is Andre. It's, this is my this is Andre. Why doesn't Ben get more time? <laughs> Dude, this is so funny enough. It is a question for me, which I thought was a good question. Um, but I did want to I actually wanted to address it again because I think there is. It's not what I'm saying, I guess. So this is a question for me. It says, uh, given that your goal in life seems to be the pursuit of happiness, why do you have any moral considerations? Why would morality have any weight in your decision making process at all? given that at the end of the day, your goal is to be happy. Uh, that, was, that, is, that was to you. That was, well, no, it's, but we can see both. But you have said in the past, your higher order, when we compare the two, truth and happiness, your higher order value is truth. And I have said that one of my highest order values is, is happiness. happiness. Got it. Okay. But I do not put it as my highest, actually. Mm-hmm. So I would not steal from someone because money is good and i could use it to buy drugs that would make me happy or whatever like it's it's these things all occur in a society and where our values are to treat people well and not hurt people and i definitely am not espousing that everyone pursue happiness at all costs yeah yeah so i just wanted to clarify that not a hedonist no i'm a well hedonism is weird it's where you take in the value of the society no utilitarian Mm -hmm. yeah Closer to a utilitarian than a hedonist, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I weigh the happiness of others in my decisions. Mm-hmm. So I would pursue my own happiness, but I would not want to pursue my own happiness to the detriment of people, other people. So, But relative to deep, everlasting truth, 
more important than that, right? For myself. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a self-interested thing. It's a self-interested thing. I want to be happy, but not at the expense of other people. I actually find that utilitarianism has, if you followed it to the letter, it has insane things that you could justify, mm -hmm. like a gang rape, because you're adding a little yeah, bit of yeah, happiness yeah, yeah, to a thousand yeah, yeah. people by brutalizing one person. Yeah. So I definitely am not saying that utilitarianism is the the paradigm of yeah, yeah, philosophical no, it, it just exploits value, minorities but, is essentially what utilitarianism does <laughs> yeah but what i'm saying is that if you're going to pursue happiness you have to think about the happiness of other people because what you're saying is that that's a value that matters mm -hmm. so if it matters to you you have to assume it matters to other people too you know what i mean yeah it's funny when uh, when you're in philosophy class utilitarianism when you get to it because you you often go in order uh, chronologically and you're like yes this is a good one and then yeah. they come up with they're like okay well how does this and it's like hmm maybe not strict utilitarianism yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe with some laws and some rules and some definitely uh you know uh minority rights would be it <laughs> would be a good thing to add to definitely that. it's not the end all be all yeah. i guess i just reference it to say i think i do think i forget if it was bentham or if it was what's his face mills that that recognizes that like it's oh i'm sure yeah yeah no but happiness is i guess what i would say is happiness is important to everyone mm -hmm. and i don't Obviously, as all humans do, I value my own, but I don't think that other people's happiness doesn't matter. And so the question was, why don't I just do whatever I want in the pursuit of happiness? It's because you would leave a trail of mayhem in your path if yeah, you did that. Which you're not for. Yeah. But I do think it's still, if you're like, okay, red pill, blue pill, not matrix style, but style like this is going to oh, be. Oh, I'm staying in the matrix. Yeah, 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 Are you yeah, kidding? Yeah. You're a blue pill. When, yeah. I first, when I first watched Neo in the Matrix, I thought to myself, obviously, you take the red pill. Mm -hmm. What kind of lunatic? is cypher yeah for taking the blue pill now no way yeah we bombed the planet and ruined it for ourselves and the robots punishment was to create a utopian simulation for us and they use our bodies for batteries yeah well not necessarily thank god for them yeah not utopian in this case but good enough it the world well, they tried the, no they the, they tried and they tried to make it utopian <laughs> and humans didn't like it so yeah. they made it as good as they possibly could but that the human psyche could still find rewarding because mm -hmm. according to the movie there's there's value in struggle mm -hmm. sign me up man i'm staying in the simulation got it and you would go out of it you'd be eating gruel every day uh, not totally man i mean i get to my limit i really do and again it's only psychedelic experiences where i tap out and go no more no more like put me back <laughs> you'd, re you'd regret it man you'd, you'd think of me sitting in my bubble eating filet mignon sitting on the beach you'd be eating oatmeal for the 900th day in a row yeah. out of a metal bottle yeah i do i guess i have a faith that whatever ultimate truth is out there i believe that there's struggle to arrive there and you temporarily experience a dip where you're eating that metaphorical oatmeal but i do have faith or a belief that the the ultimate truth if there is truth with a capital t is wonderful is is in fact a good thing well yeah because you go spiritual which the matrix doesn't do the matrix says the real world sucks the real world is <laughs> yeah yeah running from robots and eating gruel. well no no it doesn't say that it says you don't know what's on the other side of this red pill he doesn't tell he says listen there's more he at that point in the movie he does not know what the real world is he says but no but you would take the red can, pill even knowing that it's gruel I would take the red pill, but you could never know. You would, I would, I would believe. I have this weird faith that on the other side it's better. And yes, there's a war in between, and we got to struggle with machines. But it gets. I would believe that it got better. Yeah, it doesn't though. <laughs> we saw the movie. <laughs> All right, what we got? All right, so first up is from Sam Spam. I think we've answered one of his other okay. questions too. Yeah. Very active. Yeah, I love this it. Is from a... there's no limit. Keep asking good questions. You'll keep getting answers. Cool. Uh, so this one is, I have really good interactions with dating girls 
and my charisma is way up there but when it comes to texting i stink i hate <laughs> texting i have followed your advice on dating but the skills learned fall short when texting yeah totally well that is partially because i am terrible at texting <laughs> and so whenever i go to make videos i think you've noticed there's no videos on texting there's one right <laughs> I don't, is there one? Maybe? I think so. I think I gave you some stuff. There might be like uh, moments in videos related to texting. Oh, do we not have a texting video? We, we might. I thought we had an animated we, we, one. Maybe I we'll throw one up soon. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I also hate texting. I don't text my friends. I don't text my family. I don't text anybody. I'm incredibly uh, straightforward. And Ben and I might have definitely have different advice here based on the way that we behave. Mine is just accept that it's going to be a ding on your ability to hang out with people and compensate in other areas. Uh, be interesting enough in person, have enough going on, have fun events to invite people to such that when your text is a, a lame, hey, do you want to do X? X is fun. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you don't need to spice it up with whatever cool thing that Ben is going to say that's going to make them chuckle or a meme or a gift that goes along with it. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I've elected, I think there's two major areas where I completely let myself lose and the first is fashion <laughs> you could tell i could do better uh by dressing more nicely i could probably lean more immediate respect i could i could do a lot of i could do better uh and then the second is is in social media text messaging which i just kind of i let myself stink at and that's okay what about you think well, I used to be really into texting. I used to love it. And I was the person that everyone in our friend group would come to and say, what should I text? Because yeah. I had this dialed in. I have let that skill atrophy a little bit mm -hmm. because on the whole, dating has taken a little bit of a backseat. Safe to say that I was obsessed, you could say, <laughs> with dating at some point in my life. So I can try to remember what I used to do. I remember One Piece. The truth, the truth is that... I too have found that at the end of the day, it seems like this is something where if you put a lot of work into it, you get some benefit, mm -hmm. but I've just found it's more enjoyable to focus on other areas. Sure. So here's one thing that I know that Ben sort of did that makes a difference. And it's to ask yourself, especially when you're texting a woman, what is on a scale of zero to 10, how emotionally punchy is this text? Mm -hmm. And this really cuts to the core of the way that men and women communicate differently, which is men, uh, specifically with text, we're so logistical. Do yeah. you want to do X at this time, right? And it can be, what's the emotional content of that? Zero. And just, <laughs> and just to clarify, if, some, if you're dating someone or you're friends with someone yeah. and they already like you, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But when you barely know a woman you're because you're just matched stages. on Tinder yeah. and you've never met in person and you send something that's boring, mm -hmm. it's not going to elicit a response. So yeah, oftentimes you're better off People will try to get the logistics nailed down immediately. Mm -hmm. And you're better off just making somebody laugh or smile. And then they'll want the logistics to set up. And you'll yeah. often get a response to that. So yeah, yeah the, the last thing I worry about is the where and the when. So even when I'm making plans, I'm like, hey, do you want to go dancing? Hey, do you want to get a drink? But I'd never be like, hey, this is our first message on Tinder. Do you want to go to this bar at this time on Sunday? Yep. Because if they don't know you, then the more important thing is seeing if you guys like each other and connecting in that way. And then if she decides that she does like you, she'll want to set up the logistics. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Well, and beyond beyond the liking, it's, you know, you could say, do you want to go this? Or you could, the simple thing that, you know, I know a cool spot. That takes it from a zero to a two mm -hmm. in emotional punchiness. And then Ben mentioned jokes, uh, teases, uh, gifts, you know, all of those things. What is someone's reaction going to be when this pops up 
on there on haven't yet read it is it something that demands to be oh, opened I, and read yeah or i know isn't it i know one too yeah don't give them homework like don't mm -hmm. when I, I was uh just getting back from thanksgiving so i was landing in la and i matched with a couple people and it's like oh what should i send them and the thing my brain thought was like hey how was your thanksgiving this person doesn't know you yeah, yeah. they don't why they're not going to want to write you an explanation of that you know unless they really really like you as a match mm -hmm. you're not you're not giving them a gift there yeah you know what i mean it's almost a homework assignment like oh tell me about your yeah, thing yeah, yeah. versus saying something that makes them laugh or smile or puts them in a good mood can you off the cuff thanksgiving come up with something that was just a little bit more playful for instance? yeah i actually didn't come up with anything better just didn't write them yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh well, no. let's give it a for example just just to convey the idea yeah i mean i'll it's just so simple i'll just say hey name you're adorable with a smile emoji yeah and note and not put a question or anything and mm -hmm. by the way sometimes they get no response at all yeah but some but if they like that if that makes they'll go oh thank you so much so are you or whatever it mm -hmm. is and now we're chatting i'm yeah. not giving them a homework assignment in yeah. the first text of like hey uh why do you live in la mm -hmm. hey i saw you went to university of arizona why do you live in la yeah i don't know you dude i don't want to write you a bio yeah 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 so yeah that's that's more my thought you know i'll just make if or if i see something in their profile I'll comment on it. You know, if they've got a dog or they like a sport or this and that, you know, one person, I'm terrible at golf. One person I matched with recently, she said, I'm looking for someone who likes lawyer jokes, sarcasm, and can play golf with me. And I was just like, right, I'm just going to highlight that I absolutely suck yeah, <laughs> at yeah. golf. And so I made a joke at my own expense that kind of like got the conversation starting rather than asking her a question like, oh, it's so cool that you like golf. How'd you get into that? Mm-hmm. To put um, that's that feels like putting the conversational onus on them but at the end of the day i think a lot of this is less important than i used to think so yeah don't spend more than 30 seconds thinking about a text i used to craft the perfect text yeah there's yeah. more important things to, to which you could put your time and i don't just mean uh, than dating i mean like the type of person that you become in other areas of your life is just so much more like important than yeah what have text. a bio that's cool because you have cool yes. hobbies and yes. you do fun have stuff gone somewhere interesting and have yeah had go a travel take, yeah go travel or go surf or go this or read interesting books or do yeah. something and then create a bio that's interesting is yeah, much yeah, better yeah. than if you have a couple of nondescript photos of you with 30 other guys or you by yourself and then you you spend 10 minutes crafting great yeah. text like, no just go live an interesting life mm -hmm. and then your text will matter less i think this is I, I i don't know if this person this person is dating but not necessarily dating apps so i also think that that's the other thing same thing though the texts are so much easier that so this is the biggest thing when i was obsessed with dating i would make any night available to people that's this is big because i really wanted to date a billion people right this is yeah this is important much more attractive hey what's going on you want to get a drink tonight no i can't how about tomorrow i can't tomorrow i have improv class oh you mm -hmm. do improv that's so cool this is a natural conversation that's interesting and it makes her want to see me more but that's not why i do it right or yeah. hey do you want to get a drink tomorrow oh i can't i'm going surfing on saturday like i got to get up early what about sunday well, you instantly just made yourself more attractive but it's not because you crafted the right adjectives and verbs it's because you're just living a cool life mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so it makes the texting part actually easier because you're not available all the time ever present with funny jokes because your goal in life isn't what mine was at the time which was to date every day of the week yeah so yeah that's that's been a big change for me that's been really helpful one when you do get to logistics and you are setting a time and a place that better than what is your schedule which is like i'm it communicates i'm wide open you tell me when you're free mm -hmm. is uh let's how's tuesday night 
and just pick a time that's two to three days in advance. Say every say you have seven days free, pick a time and offer that time. Uh, you don't have to pretend like you're not free on other days, but no, no, I would encourage you to just the simple plan the, cool stuff the simple, selfishly. Exactly. But the simple selection of a day I've even seen goes yeah. rather than what's your schedule. Yeah does so much better um, in terms of finally setting that. So I actually do know a bit. Maybe I'll make a video on this one day. Yeah. No, it's funny enough. I'll suggest a day. They won't be able to do it. Maybe they'll suggest a day. I won't be able to do it. Weirdly enough, it's more likely now that we'll work to find a third day Mm -hmm. because we both have lives. lives. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm, I'm sure we could ramble on about this for a while, but hopefully that helps. We just don't spend too much time on it is the short answer no and then the last thing i'd say is uh, this is true of any charisma thing try to think about the emotions you're creating the person mm-hmm. try to create positive emotions laughter and smiling so maybe this is obvious but i think people are probably doing it i w- wouldn't be snarky or grumpy in a text mm-hmm. and i wouldn't be boring in a text you know i would write it out and say what emotion is this going to create yeah and if it's boring don't send it and if it's you complaining about something and it's to someone you don't know well don't send it but that's that's advice i would give for any first impression sure it's just yeah, try to create emotions in someone that they're going to enjoy. Yes. Cool. Anything else? Uh, yes, there's one more on dating. My you guys are already thinking about it. My um, So my this one's from Lindsay Rose, who is another big fan. Hi, Lindsay. Hello. Um, so she says, how can I pass the obligatory phase of dating where it feels like only being impressive is what matters? <laughs> oh, I actually think I have a decent answer for this. And it's to, to opt out. <laughs> Uh, I have found, and, and granted, this has, this has gone hand in hand with us doing what we described, which was my life genuinely becoming more interesting, that the less, these days that I try to be impressive and the more willing I am to be like, oh no, like I, I stayed at home yesterday and played six hours of Mario Kart with my friend. It was awesome. so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the more willing that I am to do that, and again, I, I can do that in a confident way, because of all, you know, watch some of our videos in terms of building self-esteem and those sorts of things. But I can say that and not need to check with her and be like, mm-hmm. is that okay with you? Are you cool with video games? And in fact, what I then do is, because I'm curious, is say, do you like video games? And embedded in that question, which is a hope, is it, I hope you say yes, because this is kind of a screen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if, you like, if you like Super Smash Bros, we can click. Uh, so... Don't try to be impressive. Really opt out of that stage and mm-hmm. instead recognize that what you're looking for is not someone that is super cool. What you're looking for is someone that is a match with you. Yep. And when you want to match, what you naturally do is you you try to polarize early. You let know the most uh, deal-breaky, uh, odd, distinguishing things about you. Mm. And to people who aren't good matches, they'll be alienated very quickly. But to people who were maybe on the fence while you were trying to impress them, but they happen to have the same interests, hobbies, or just be intrigued by the the comfortability with which you express those things, they're going to be much more drawn to it. Yeah. No, I um, think the two, the two best things you can do are probably, I would say, don't lead with your best foot. Lead with your most common foot, your most average foot yep. for you. Yeah. Because I think the worst thing that you can do in a relationship is have two people that are trying their best to impress each other. So they pretend to be someone they're not. They like the person. That's the worst case scenario. It goes yeah. well. You like the person that they were pretending to be and they like the person you were pretending to be and then you slowly reveal your true selves (laughs) and now you're dating but you don't like each other as much as you thought you did yeah so i try very hard to not do that so i will i will only invite someone to something i'd want to regularly do smoothies while walking outside Mm -hmm. and i won't invite someone to do something like go to the ballet because 
That'd God be, forbid yeah. you like me because I take you to the ballet. I either have to take you to the ballet now, which I don't want to do once we're dating, or I stop and now you go, why don't you take me to the ballet anymore? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I never wanted to do that. I was just trying to trick you into liking me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't do anything that I wouldn't want to do recurringly. And I try to present myself the way I always will be. So I try to be exactly as funny or boring as I am mm -hmm. if we were to hang out every day. So that's the one thing. And then the second thing is to your point. Let me just chime in. A good way to do this is to ask yourself as you're setting up these dates, this whatever is like, how dressed up, how much makeup, where would I go if I were going with friends? Mm -hmm. uh, or if I were going with friends that I hang out with often is an even better question. Mm -hmm. What's the level of investment that I'm capable of putting in on a day-to-day -day basis? Because what a lot of people do is they put on an incredible dress, go to an incredible place, do their makeup to the nine and their hair to the nines. And sure. Spend more money than they would be comfortable doing every week. Exactly. So, so you need to be willing to do this regularly. And this is going to save your dating life so much. It might take longer to match with that person, but once you do, it's so much easier. So go. I just want to intervene with, yeah, that, yeah. with that heuristic. For sure. No, and the second thing is I, I use dates as filtering mechanisms instead of trying to when I used to go out and try to win over everyone. It's like mm -hmm. anyone with the right set of words, any person will want to sleep with me. And mm -hmm. I wanted to have those right set of words. Yeah. And then you just end up sleeping with a bunch of people you're not actually a good fit for or mm -hmm. who don't want what you want. So now I think of them as filtering mechanisms. So I will very quick like what I'm not looking for a serious relationship. I try to get that into the conversation as quickly as possible and definitely before sleeping with someone because mm -hmm. the worst thing would be have someone think I'm going to be their boyfriend and their future husband in the near term and we sleep together and then afterwards they find out that it's not the case and they're mm -hmm. really disappointed best case scenario is they find out within a half hour and then they either go i'm cool with that you seem fun i'm down to just hang out and have something that's doesn't have any future kids attached to it or they go that's not for me i really am looking for someone i'm gonna marry soon i got like a two-year time thing and it's not you i go cool we should never hang out again yeah no hard feelings that really saves a lot of the down the line pain <laughs> of the truth coming out that you guys don't want the same things or the truth coming out that you're not a good match. The truth coming out that what you want to do is have her come over and play Smash Bros with your friends. Mm -hmm. And what she wants to do is go to a museum. Like, let's get all of that out there in the first date. And then the people you end up hanging out with want to do what you like, like you for who you are and want the type of relationship that you want. Mm -hmm. which is what I'm actually solving for. Sure. And so if you want to go deeper into this, I really think uh, it's it's intended for men, but Models by Mark Manson covers polarizing people, which is really important. It's, you know, figuring out what the things about you that are definitive to your day-to-day -day are and getting them out there early. Ben talked about a few. Demographics, that's another big one. Where are you looking for these type of people? Like, mm -hmm. are, are you going to find your person in a bar? Maybe if that's your thing, are you more likely to find them in a yoga class or a retreat? or uh, at a networking event. So figuring out who you're, who you're looking for and then adjusting your demographic search for that. Models talks about that as well. Uh, and it's just got a lot of concrete examples yeah. for both. So I think that could be useful for men and women. This is a long answer, but in sum, be just as impressive on the date as you are every day, mm -hmm. whatever that means. Yeah, and you have two options there, which is to just not be impressive or figure out what it's gonna take for you to be a more impressive human. Yeah, yeah, make your life, again, just comes back to make your life interesting and do things that you like. Mm -hmm. My, my uh, I also, this, you know, this sounds like it's like, oh, you have to become a surfer and a world no, traveler. No, no. My cousin is in an awesome happy marriage. I think he's awesome. I think she's awesome. They connect over the fact that they both like art. They both like video games. They both like Dungeons and Dragons. They like create like they dioramas make, they and make stuff. Figurines. Yeah, <laughs> they make, they make um, you know, like figurines together. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think they probably met at some trading card event. No, they yeah. met in art school. Okay. You know what I mean? Like where they were self-selected for, yeah. for being people who didn't care about money 
who cared about art. And guess what? Neither of them has a problem with the fact that they're not, the other one's not rich because they didn't start at a Nobu $400 sushi mm-hmm. dinner, you know? And it's great because he's the dungeon master for her <laughs> and her friends. Like it's the, it's an enviable marriage. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think, yeah, be as impressive as you want, which just means if you're an artist, talk about your art. If you mm-hmm. love Dungeons and Dragons, talk about loving Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. I matched with somebody who loved Overwatch and she said our first, our first uh, date should be playing Overwatch together. Really? Thought it was awesome. I didn't have a headset at the time, so it kind of fell through. This was like two years ago. But I think that's the way to do it. When I I need say, to, you need to get more of that. When I see Does the, your profile not say Borderlands 3 addict? No. Then it should, okay? <laughs> because you're not following your own advice. Yeah. Well, I don't, <laughs> dude, I've, I've stopped swiping a lot. Yeah. I got to figure out what's going on. My desire to date is... Uh, get Borderlands 3 in there. Weirdly enough, because I'm addicted to Borderlands 3, <laughs> I don't want to date at all. No, it's true. I mean, I'm dating one person, and I think that's the other thing. It's like zero people creates a big hole in my life in terms of making me feel like I need to be dating. But yeah, once I have someone I like, the desire to date other people is still there, but mm-hmm. just gets crushed by yeah. surfing in video games. And I think this is to belabor the point. It might sound like a lot of work to, because what, what people often want is, what do I say? What do I text? What do I wear? What, what one trick can I do in order to get past this and make this person like me? And it might seem like a lot of work to filter a lot of people out have a lot of people say no and then invest time into becoming a different person over the course of months and years but i promise you this is the easier route than impressing someone that you then find out you're a headache to and they're a headache to you six months a year into the relationship Mm -hmm. like this this is the shortcut i know it doesn't necessarily sound like it because you think a perfect text would solve everything this is the shortcut (laughs) that's all uh it's it's been a huge difference when as I've started filtering more and more, being less and less impressive, the relationship portion of it gets easier and easier. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Good stuff. No more Good questions? questions. Oh, that's it. Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful done? day. That we did it. by. It was, well, it was like an hour and a half, uh, even more. And Justin's going to trim it down. So <laughs> have a wonderful day, everybody. We'll see you all soon. Also, uh, if, you, if you enjoy it, leave a review on Apple if you have a friend. And they want to listen to it, tell your friend. And honestly, this is my job to make interesting trailers in the Matt DeVella style. It's not your job to spread it. It's my job. But yeah. if you could, we, of course, appreciate it. I got something. Keep asking questions. They're my actual favorite part of the podcast. So dope. Thank you guys for asking. Them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.